Thanks for joining us on the Southside Church Podcast. We seek to build real followers of Jesus, so we hope that you find this message both encouraging and insightful. Let's jump in. Hello, Southside. Thank you so much for being a part of this day with us. I'm so glad to be able to stand before you today and be able to open up the Bible and share God's good news with you today. I believe God's Word is life-altering, it is transforming, and it can build in you a real relationship with Jesus. That's what we want for you more than anything, is for you to experience Christ, grow in your relationship with Him, a relationship that is genuine, that is authentic, that's real. And uh, because relationships encourage action and that leads to life change. And primarily, this relationship here is what encourages the most action in our life and leads to the most powerful of life transformations. And so we want that for you. And so I tell you, one of the greatest ways to do that is to be involved in the local church, connect with the local church, be uh, in the church, serve, get in a small group, give, attend engage, meet others, because the more you do that, the more you're going to experience, I believe, the power of God in and through your life. But it doesn't just, it's, and, it, and it doesn't stop, start there, doesn't end there. It all kind of flows with your personal and private quiet time. And so I'm inviting you, come and read the Bible with us in 2022. Go to your app store, download the Southside Church app, go to the weekend where you can find sermon notes. You can find a reading plan. You can find memory verses, questions to ask around the dinner table, small group questions, personal, private, quiet time questions, things that can draw help draw you into the presence of God and allow Him to speak into your life because the more you know, the more you grow. The more you apply, the more you grow. And so we want you to do that in this, in this day and time. And so today, we're talking about the extraordinary faith of men and women that are found in the Bible. And today, we're talking about a young man, a really young man that God began to use in a powerful way that that brought massive life change to thousands, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. And so today, last week, last week, whether I tell you this stuff or not, eh, really not that big of a deal, but last week I was like, hey, I'm going to use, I'm going to use a little MC Hammer reference for my my family in the early 90s, okay? And uh, and today I'm just continuing that message. And uh, today I called this message, you can't touch this. Anyway, there it is. So that was my MC Hammer dance for you that was really bad. So all throughout the Bible, all throughout the Bible, we see God doing extraordinary things through ordinary people. When you read the Bible, this is not a place for you and I to look at it and go, this is this could never happen in today's world. Or to look at it and read these people and think of them as, as characters in a story, because it's more than that. These were real people that lived real lives on this real earth. And so we can, in the church world, sometimes dumb it down to make them look like cartoon characters and feel that way. I don't want to do that. 
These are real people. And the man we're going to talk about today is a real man. It was a real young fellow that said yes to God, and God began to work powerfully in and through his life. And so we see this all throughout Scripture. And if we see it all throughout Scripture, we'll see it today because God is still changing people's lives, and he's still working. And so I believe that God is looking for ordinary people through which he can do the extra. Because that's all, that's all, that's the only difference between ordinary and extraordinary. It's the extra that is put into it that takes it to another level. And so God is looking for ordinary people through which he can do the extra. Could that be you? Could that be you today? Could that be you at this time in history? Could that be you in your home? Could that be you in your school? Could that be you at your place of work? Could that be you in this church? Could it be you in that campus? Could it be you in your community that God begins to work through, empower, anoint, and use to help bring revival to this world? I say yes, and I want to say yes for you. I want to say yes to God for me because I want him to do it in me as much as I want him to do it for you. And so today, we see the young man named Josiah. Josiah, his story is found in 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles. Where's 2 Kings? Well, it comes right after 1 Kings in the Old Testament. What about 2 Chronicles? Oh, it comes right after 1 Chronicles in the Old Testament. (laughs) Just a little preacher joke for you. Josiah is the extraordinary story of what happens when you wonder if your life really counts. Can one person really make a difference? Does my life truly matter and count for anything? Well, I believe we have an example before us today. It's an extraordinary example of what happens when you wonder if your life really counts and you take the steps and make the moves to see that happen. And God does incredible things through it. After the reign of Solomon, and we've talked about this before in the reading through the Old Testament. Israel, their first three kings, from Saul to David to Solomon, reigned for some 150 years. So three kings had that time period, okay? And, and, and so there was a lot of consistency. But after the reign of Solomon, we see a division, a split in Israel, to the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And then over another period of time, you see some 30-something kings that are in and out of power. And then you see God's judgment begin to come, and, and Israel is taken over, the northern kingdom first by the Assyrian Empire, and then finally the southern kingdom of Judah by the uh, Babylonian Empire. Where we see Josiah today is some 80 years after the fall of the northern kingdom. The northern kingdom known as Israel had fallen to the Assyrians. And now some 80 years have passed, and Josiah is in, a, is in, in line that, that's, that's really an ungodly line, okay? And so his, great, his grandfather um, was, his name was Manasseh, and he reigned in, in Judah for 55 years. 
And the Bible says he did more evil than anybody that came before him. He was a vile, wicked, and godless man. There was a time later at the very end of his life where he repented and turned to God, but most of his time was known for wickedness and evil. His son, Amon, Josiah's dad, was reigned for two years and was assassinated and did just as much evil as his father before him. And now it comes to Josiah. And so this is kind of the summary of the life of Josiah. And I wanted you to see it. It's in 2 Kings 23, verse 25. And God wrote before him, there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all of his mind and with all of his heart. Things had, be, had gotten so bad for the nation of Israel as a whole that the judgment of God was coming down on them. And you would think the southern kingdom of Judah would have learned from the fall of the northern kingdom, but they did not. They were just following in their footsteps of rebellion and wickedness, refusing to repent until Josiah... Josiah led a revival, God led a revival through Josiah, let me say that, or brought a revival that brought massive transformation and life change. And so here we see there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all of his mind and with all of his heart and with all of his strength, according to the law of Moses, and no one like him arose after him. Today, I want to talk to you about the keys to extraordinary faith. The keys to having extraordinary faith today, what are those? I believe in this passage, we're going to pull out three. We're going to pull out three and see what that looks like. Number one, I believe we see it's a real relationship with God. Number two, I believe it's a passionate pursuit of God. And number three, I believe there's wholehearted devotion to God. And so I want to encourage you today to make a move. Make a move toward God and toward a faith in Him because everybody has a yes today and everybody can make a move in some way. So what are the keys to extraordinary faith? Number one is a real relationship with God. That is the mission of this church that is built around the Great Commission where Jesus said to go into the world and preach the gospel, baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you, and I will be with you always even to the end of the age. So what do we want that to we look at that and say, that's a real relationship with Jesus. That's what that looks like. And we want you, we want to invite you to be a part of that. And so we want you to experience God that way so that you can see your life transformed and those around you as God continues to build your faith and expand your influence and enlarge your coast to expand the kingdom of heaven, to populate the kingdom of heaven and depopulate the kingdom of hell. Come on, somebody. And so number one, the keys to extraordinary faith is a real relationship with God. We see in 2 Chronicles chapter 34, verse 1, Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. Say what? Say what? He was how old? That is not a typo. He was eight years old when his father was assassinated. And, and, and he's the next in line, in the family line, to be king. And so he's eight years old. And so think about that. If you have an eight-year-old in your house, if we have, we, we, we could go to the kids' area and get all the eight-year-olds and bring them into the worship center, and we could say, here's all the eight-year-olds. Congratulations, you just became president of the United States of America. <laughs> That's the equivalent of what just happened to this young man at eight years old. 
Now, reading a story like that in the Bible could lead you to go, whatever, that couldn't happen. Well, it did happen, and it happened in this place. And so what we see here in this story is that Josiah was brought into power at eight. Now, did he start leading at eight years old? No, he did not. But this speaks to the power of accountability, parenting, mentorship, and having people that can speak the right things into your children. Number one, that starts at home. Number two, I would say, man, make sure they're in a church where where they're being poured into as well. That's why in our church we want to teach all the same thing, to empower, empower mom and dad to be able to go, on, to go home and have the same conversations. They think that's We think that's imperative for you, for your growth and the growth of your children. And we we just want to help aid you in that process. And so school is important. Teachers, coaches, mentors in people's lives, in young people's lives, they can have a profound difference. I could ask you to name the five most influential people in your life. And I promise you, there's probably going to be at least a teacher and or a coach in that list. Why? Because it matters. There's going to be a parent or a grandparent on that list. Why? Because it matters. I would hope there might be a pastor, a youth pastor, a children's pastor, somebody that is poured into you. What does that help with? It helps us build a real relationship with Jesus because we're watching somebody and they are pouring into us and showing us how to do it. You can't do life alone and every person matters. And so get connected, stay involved, help uh, find others who can pour into you so that you can pour into somebody else. Josiah was eight. But if you read the account here in 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles, the Bible is specific and names specific people who were around Josiah's life that poured into him. For how long? For eight years. For eight years it happened. And the Bible says that this is speaking of the totality of his life. 31 years. He died at 39. 39 years young, not old. But he was one of the most influential men in all of the Bible. And the Bible says there was no one before him or after him who did, who turned to the Lord with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength like Josiah. What a powerful example. He did what was right in the Lord's sight, and he walked in the ways of his ancestor David. That is a powerful part of this passage to read. Joseph did what was right. Do right, do right, do right, do right, do right. Even if the stars fall from heaven, you do right. Well, pastor, how do I know what is right? How do I know the difference between right and wrong? Read this book. Truth is not relative, it is absolute. And I want to read the most absolute of absolutes and apply that to my life. And that, friend, is the Bible. It's the Word of God. And so Joseph did what was right in the Lord's sight. And he walked in the ways of his ancestor David. So, what, 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 what did that look like? To walk in the ways of somebody means to follow after them. Do what they did. What did David do? David did three things. He had a strict adherence to the Word of God. He believed it, applied it, lived it. Number two, he prayed and he fasted regularly. And number three, David didn't just do those two things. David made worship a priority in his life. 
So he read the Bible, he prayed, and he worshiped. That's what it meant to walk in the ways of, the, of their ancestor, King David. David worshiped it, 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 it privately. He worshiped on the Sabbath. He worshiped in the temple. But he also prayed and fasted regularly and made the word of God a vital and active daily part of his life. Josiah did not turn aside to the right or to the left. What does that mean? He walked straight ahead. When you read the Bible, let's just take Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs 4 begins in verse 23. It says this, guard your heart above all else for it is the source of life. Don't let your mouth speak dishonestly and don't let your lips talk, uh, talk, talk deviously. Let your eyes look forward. Look straight ahead. Let your gaze be focused in front of you. Carefully consider the path for your feet and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your feet from evil. The Bible, when we're talking about walking in God's ways, it is very simple. Walk straight. Walk straight. Don't go to the right or to the left. Go straight, my friend. And so this is what we see in this place. It says this, in the eighth year of his reign, which would have made him 16 years old, while he was still a youth, Josiah began to seek the God of his ancestor David. So for eight years, there were other people that were investing in him, pouring into him, probably even making decisions for him. Something happened at the age of 16, which speaks to the power of young people today. Don't tell me that a young person can't be used by God to make a profound difference. 1 Timothy 4.12 says, don't let anybody look down on you because you're young, but be an example to believers everywhere in your word, in your conversation, in your faith, in your love, and in your purity. Go be that. Go do that. You can do it. While he was still a youth, Josiah began to seek the God of his ancestor, David. He had, there was, the, the, the family line of Josiah, at least his father and grandfather, was godless, wicked, and evil. And God is about to rain down judgment on this land because of it. And here, Josiah, at 16 years young, began to seek God with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. This, this is what I want you to see in number one. What are the keys to living an extraordinary life? Well, number one, you need a real relationship with God, a real one, not one that's on again, off again, not one that is simply based on a decision that you made, but one that is, that is true, that is real, not perfect, but it's authentic, it's genuine. There is a simplicity to the godly life. We just make it too difficult, and maybe we don't make it difficult. Maybe the devil makes it difficult. Maybe the church makes it difficult, but it's really not difficult. Here's the simplicity of the godly life. Do right. Do right. Do right. Go to the right source. Go to the right place. Read the right words and do what it says. Do right. And so here, your relationship with God is not just a one-time confession of faith in Jesus Christ. You know why? He is so much greater than that. Now, I promise you this, I believe that is the opening of the doorway. I believe you got to walk through that door, and that is the starting point. But it's not the end. It's not the place where you just stop. 
It's the place where you say yes that opens the doorway to a whole new world. A whole new world. You know, I mean, that's a brand new place, a brand new beginning that you experience and see life. This, it is greater than just a one-time decision and confession. And I invite you into that with us. Be a real, a real relationship with God. Number two, a passionate pursuit of God. A passionate pursuit of God. What does a passionate pursuit of God look like? Well, let's look like, let's look at it through the lens of the life of Josiah. And in the 12th year of his reign, age 20, all right, he started at eight, eight years is 16, and then 12th years, four more years. So now he's 20 years old. This Now we see him at age 20. He is beginning to step into his role as king. He is beginning to lead. How can a 20-year-old lead? I'll promise you because he's somebody poured into his life, and at 16, he began to seek God on his own. And I promise you this, young person, or even older person who is just beginning your faith, if you make a commitment to read God every day, pray and fast, and commit to worship, God will do more in and through your life in a shorter amount of time than you could ever possibly imagine. If you are a teenager today, make a commitment to read God's word every day and do what it says, and you will be so far ahead of the people around you and ahead of you that they will scratch their head and wonder in awe at how you are doing what you are doing. They won't be able to explain it because they can't, because it's a real relationship with God that leads to a passionate pursuit of God. And in the 12th year, he began to cleanse Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the Asherah poles, the carved images, and the cast images. This is idolatry. This is idol worship. And he is purging the land of it. Look what else he does. Then in his presence, the altars of the Baals were torn down, and he chopped down the incense altars that were above them, and he shattered the Asherah poles. He didn't just remove them. He destroyed them. The carved images, the cast images, look what he did. He crushed them to dust. You know why he crushed them to dust? So they could not rebuild it and make something out of the pieces. And he scattered them over the graves of those who sacrificed to them. (laughs) This is called correcting an extreme with an extreme. This is seeing where Judah and Jerusalem had gone and knowing what Israel had done before them and the judgment of God that was coming. And here is a passionate young man that is pursuing God with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. The famous preacher A.W. Tozier, he said this, we have as much of God as we actually want. (laughs) Currently, right now, most of us have all the God that we want. Now, we can sit in environments like this, or maybe there are moments where we're like, God, I want more of you, I want more of you, I want more of you. Okay, great. That's a great place to start. But then you have to make moves to make sure that happens. You have to move to him. You've got to move in the direction that God wants you to go. James chapter four, verse eight, the Bible says, draw near to God and he 
will draw near to you. This is what we see in this passage. We must fight every day to draw near to God. If I'm going to draw near to God and he's going to draw near to me, it is a fight every day. I have to get up every day and fight self. I have to fight the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. I have to fight that every day to find my time to get in this book. I've got to fight the devil. I've got to fight the world. And I've got to fight the flesh that wants everything to get in my way to keep me from doing what this book says. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood, friend. We wrestle with principalities and spirits and powers in the dark world. So we've got to put on the armor of God. And don't do that at the end of the day. Do it at the start of your day. It's a fight. And you've got to fight every day to draw near to God. Get up in the day ready to passionately pursue God and have a real relationship with him. Those are the two of the keys to having extraordinary faith, which leads me to the third one. That leads to a wholehearted devotion to God. The keys to extraordinary faith, a real relationship with God that leads to a passionate pursuit of God that results in a wholehearted devotion to God. Second Chronicles. In the 18th year of his reign, now he's 26, still a young man, in order to cleanse the land and the temple, Josiah sent Shaphan, son of Azaliah. Names get crazy right here. Along with, we'll call him Masay, (laughs) the governor of the city and the court historian Joah, son of Jehoaz to repair the temple of the Lord his God. The church, the temple, had been desecrated, not been used, not been touched, practically destroyed. And as Josiah is seeking God and he's passionately pursuing God and he's ridding the country of idolatry, he wants to bring them back to a central focus to the house of God. And he says, we're going to invest money and time, and we're going to make it what God expects it to be. And so he sends them there to prepare, to repair the temple. And, 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 it's, and, and this, is, this is what they did. They gave money to it. They put the right people there. They had the people rebuilding, renovating, changing it. The people gave to the project, and all of these things were happening. Look at what happened. When they brought out the money that had been deposited in the Lord's temple because people were giving their tithes and their offerings. They they were distributing that money to the priest and to the Levites and to the men working on the project and women that were there. And so Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord. What did he find? This. There was only one? Yep. Why was there only one? Because Manasseh and Ammon made it a point to rid the country of this and instead just inundate it with idolatry. Hilkiah found the book of the law written by the hand of Moses. It was written by the hand of Moses. 
Shaphan took the book to the king and said, Hilkiah the priest, look, gave me a book. (laughs) They were doing all of this without the book. They were doing it all without the book. God was still working and moving and he was transforming their lives and he was bringing revival. But now they found the source. They found a reason to do something to stand on, something to build their life on, something that everybody could read, everybody could know, something that could give them tangible proof of the power of God and extraordinary work in people's lives. The priest gave me a book and Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. And when the king heard the words of the law. He tore his clothes in repentance and he sent out messengers and gathered all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. And the king went up to the Lord's temple with all the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, everybody, as well as the priest and the Levites, all the people from great to small. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the Lord's temple. And then the king, he stood at his post and he made a covenant in the Lord's presence to follow the Lord and to keep God's commands. He led and and spoke as an example, 26 years old. His decrees and his statutes with all of his heart and with all of his soul in order to carry out all the words of the covenant written in this book. And throughout his reign, They did not turn aside from following Yahweh, the God of their ancestors. God did not bring his judgment on this group of people because of the faith of one man. Does your life really count? It does. Josiah's did, and yours does too. And so your faith is strengthened as much as you commit yourself to God. And so here, how does this happen? This is how this happens. You have to choose to do it. To go back to the other verse, the very first verse, 23, 25. Before him, there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all of his mind, all of his heart, and all of his strength, according to all the law of Moses, and to one like him, and no one like him arose after him. This is what we see, three things. His passion led him to purge sin from his life. His humility toward the word of God was an example to others to follow. And his decision to seek first the kingdom of God led to revival. But it all started with a move. One move, one move from a young man at 16 years old to seek the Lord. A real relationship with God, passionately pursuing God, and wholly devoting himself to God. Brought revival and changed a nation. He made a move. What's the move that you can make today that can bring eternal transformation, not just to your life, but to those that God brings into your world? Wherever you are today, whatever is going on in your world, whatever is happening, God knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly who you are. And He is only a call away. Lord Jesus, I need you. I want you. 
Forgive me for my sin. Come and live in my life. Transform me from the inside out. I want a real relationship with you. May that lead to a passionate pursuit of you as I learn to give myself wholly and fully to you. Are you ready to make a move? If so, respond to us, connect with us, say yes with us today. Make a move in the comment feed. Make a move with an email. Make a move in a campus. Make a move with the Bible. Make a move with an app. Download it, get in it, and let the Spirit of God take hold of your life. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. If you made that decision today to say, yes, I do want to choose Jesus. I do want to acknowledge him as my personal Lord and Savior. Congratulations. We could not be more excited for you. And we want to help you in that process and answer any questions that you might have and provide you resources. To do that, simply text Jesus, that's J-E-S-U-S, to 706-449-0870. And one of our pastors on staff will be in touch with you because we want to help you as you walk out your faith. If you thought, you know what, I would like to contribute to all that God is doing in and through Southside. I would like to partner with Him. You can do that in three simple ways. First, you can text GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 706-449-0870. Secondly, you can do it on the Southside app in the GIVE tab. Lastly, Southside.online. You can do it through the GIVE section on our website. Thank you so much for being here with us today, and we hope you have a great rest of your week.